Good morning. I'm Wilfred Brimley, and I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes. Actually, about diabetes, diabetes. and how it's affected me in my life. Uh, I'll start when I was first diagnosed. Diabetes. Diabetes. I was scared to death. I was experiencing symptoms that were strange and unfamiliar to me. Uh, for instance, I had an unquenchable thirst. My tongue felt like a horseshoe rasp. Uh, I was losing my vision. I was losing my energy. I was getting up every 15 or 20 minutes all through the night. Through the night. Through the night. So I wasn't getting any rest. Oh, I say it, I say it again. You've been had. You've been took. You've been hoodwinked. Bamboozled. Let us You've been had, and what makes matters worse is you're allowing it. A lifetime of nutritional deception has forced us into the fight for our lives. We are the plant-based riot. We are here to tear down that curtain of secrecy created by our very own American food industry. A plant-based diet and a disease-free life are not out of reach. Make the choice. I think we're... Here. All right, we need, guys. To, we need to get some. Uh, do you have any whiskey that we can put in here? It's like <laughs> there's, there's Irish no water, Irish coffee. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, all right, so here we go. Wow, guys! Uh, first episode in the podcast uh, studio in the garden. How about that? We're gonna we're gonna wait till we hear some clicking happening here. We're we're about to get started. The plane is taxiing down the runway. Keep talking. And uh, we're about <laughs> to uh, rotate and pull, pull up wheels and uh, okay, you're good. And head full steam here. Welcome, everybody. We are at the uh, Plant-Based Riot podcast booth. Make sure to come by and visit sometime up here in Sierra Madre. We're in the garden, and it is 5 a.m., and it is 49 degrees here, guys. So there's no leaf blowers, no planes, no... Disgruntled neighbors. Yes, it's actually quite all we actually can hear. If we listen for one second... Uh, that is not Mike. That's actually the garden. Uh, we have some watercress going with the uh, with the pumps, so we hear that. That's super nice. Wow, it is quiet and it is cold, but when we were bundled up, and we got the coffee. So today's episode: Diomedes. What a pain in the pancreas! Pan- pancreas. If you, if if anybody wants to write in to us to help us help that pun work out good, we'll make that work. Pancreas. Diomedes. It ain't just sugar's fault. All right, guys. Um, so today, a couple questions for you both, Brian and Mike. Is there an association between eating animal products and chronic disease? Mike, go for it. Yes, absolutely there is. Um, you know, I would say that consuming a lot of meat, dairy, and eggs, um, having both saturated fats and... Um, oh, my God. <laughs> Even eggs, though, right? Yeah, eggs are high in saturated fat. Um, meat, especially corn from corn-fed animals, is high in saturated fat. It's high in omega-6 fatty acids. It has a, a tendency to lead to diabetes. I want to figure that out because uh, this is new to me. I really, I, I always thought it was sugar. Right? I mean, can you get can you get diabetes from eating meat? Yeah, um, most most people think that sugar is the culprit. 
Um, unfortunately, sugar is kind of the after effect or the after product of developing diabetes. So elevated blood glucose kind of comes later, later down the continuum. Um, so most animal products uh, essentially are all the same. Um, I know we've had this conversation talking about how, you know, the, the marketing industry gets a hold of, you know, beef as a product or, you know, chicken as a product or eggs as a product. And they, they try to outsell the other industries, right? So eat eggs, don't eat, you know, eat chicken, eat chicken, don't eat beef, eat beef, don't eat pork. Um, but essentially all these animal products are, are the same to the body because they all contain um, some essential elements that are toxic to the body. So um, whether it's milk, eggs, or, or, or the flesh of an animal, it contains, uh, generally they contain high levels of, of protein, excessive protein levels. Um, as Mike said, saturated fats, uh, cholesterol is another one. Um, some of them are high in iron, and iron, as we talked about on previous shows, are uh, highly reactive to free radicals. Also, high levels of iron are detrimental to beta cells, which produce insulin, which is another mechanism that leads to diabetes. Um, some of them are high in sodium, so sodium is constantly associated with high blood pressure. Um, and then the other one would be sulfur, so sulfur-containing amino acids such as methionine, uh, some of these animal products are high in that protein, which are also associated to beta cell failure and the development of cancer. So yeah, so all these things that are uh, elevated in animal products uh, are all associated with the development of both diabetes and obesity. So I, again, something else I was never told in school. I completely new to me. We want to thank Whisper Farms. Whisper, Whisper Farms is a co-op of backyard farms and gardens providing fruits and vegetables at the Atwater Village Farmer's Market. Come and check him out with our one and only, the garden guru, Mike Wood. Mike, what's going on this time of the year? We're in mid-January. What's going on at the market right now? Well, we've got uh, onion sprouts that are, that are um, recently returned to the market, backed by popular demand. Yes. They are so delicious, um, very oniony, crunchy. Um, they make a great topping to salad or sandwich wow um, they they're beautiful little green sprouty onions little sprouty onions i like that all right guys we are the plant-based riot a weekly commutable length evidence-based call to action conversation about what living a healthy and disease-free life follow us on instagram at plant-based riot i'm dan farnham cameraman, father of three, doing the whole plant-based vegan household for three years now, and uh, I teamed up with uh, a couple other Sierra Madre dads to, uh, to, to, do the, to do the podcast here, and we got Mike. Hey there, um, I'm Mike, I'm a stay-at-home dad, I'm a vegetable vendor at the Atwater Village Farmer's Market, and I am a, a grower at home, uh, so I, uh, I grow fruits and veggies, um, and that's my that's my deal. <laughs> oh my God. He grows a lot, guys. He's made, he's downplaying this. He is like the master of the backyard garden. People come yes. to him. Documentaries come to him. Other podcasters and YouTubers come to him. Do you want to put a plug for that documentary that you just did? Oh, um, on YouTube. Sure. A two-hour um, thing that happened. <laughs> oh yeah. So my good friend John Kohler um, came to visit me and uh, checked out the garden. And uh, you know it's. 
it's been a, a lot of um, a lot about trying to share what I've learned about hydroponics and to try and dispel a lot of myths about hydroponics and um, basically the the joy of being able to grow a lot of food in a small area what with works for me less water with 90% less water yes yeah you guys have to watch it it was it was very cute watching the bromance between these guys <laughs> develop on on the YouTube channel it was it was very intimate they shared a moment <laughs> And over here is Mr. I'm not aware of that. <laughs> Dr. Brian K. Blackburn. Uh, I'm, I'm Brian. I'm a metabolic scientist. Uh, I've been insane for that romaine for the last 23 years. Um, He's insane. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I recently welcomed a third uh, child to the family. Wow. Got another member and uh, sleep is <laughs> gone. And uh, we're just trying to increase our coffee consumption and get through the day. Wow. Amen. Mm -hmm. So today's episode, Diomedes. Guys, we're just going to jump right into this because I've got a lot of questions. And uh, like I said, I thought diabetes was a glucose, insulin, sugar thing. And I'm realizing that those are just markers at the end. And this wasn't the beginning of the train of the situation here. Um, so back me up. I, of course, know nothing. I'm, I don't come from the metabolic world. I barely, I'm only a few months into this garden world. So I really don't know much in this, so my question to you guys to kick this off is, define diabetes and how did it occur? Like, start me off, diabetes 101. So diabetes is probably one of the most horrific diseases to kind of poke its head out in the last 100 years. Um, it is a metabolic disorder that impacts um, every system in the body. Uh, it's generally um, is induced with the development of obesity. So uh, those two things kind of go hand in hand and overlap. And it's a, it's a multi-system disease that is characterized primarily by an increase and a chronic increase in blood glucose levels where, where you start to leave the 90 milligram per deciliter level and start to exceed into levels of 300 and 400 milligrams per deciliter. So um, as I said before, glucose or sugar consumption is not necessarily the cause of it, but it's the it's the hallmark of the disease that develops later on. Um, it's an, it's an indicator that the disease is present, and that's what so, that we can control. Is that the part that everybody's trying to control? That's the part everyone's trying to control because once you develop a resistance to insulin, which we'll talk about later, um, blood glucose levels start to increase uh, to super physiological levels, and then there's all these diabetic associated complications that come with the development of that hyperglycemia so um, and it's kind of a, it's a really slow burn so the development of the disease it takes about 10 to 15 years to fully mature so one of the one of the markers that they look at is blood glucose levels because we can start to see that over the development of diabetes which they call the continuum um, there is a slow and steady increase of blood sugar levels and that's um, you know a basal blood sugar level like before you even eat or consume any food so so before you even eat those sugar levels are, are already high and then once you consume food especially food that's high in glucose or sugar um, those blood glucose levels are going to increase even more so um, if yeah. I'm on a low carb diet mm -hmm. um, and then but I'm eating a lot of protein and fat yes could that uh, give me uh, high levels of sugar in my blood. Well, um, 
if you're on a high protein diet, you're going to probably have lower blood glucose levels. Protein is going to stimulate insulin to a little bit less of a degree than sugar would. Um, but if you are eating macronutrients that are absent of carbohydrates, your body's going to produce sugar another way. And it's usually through protein degradation, or it's going to use stored sugar that is known as glycogen that's in the liver and in the skeletal muscles. It's going to start spitting that back into the blood to keep that blood glucose level at about 90 to 100 milligrams per deciliter. So your body wants to keep blood glucose within a very, very narrow margin. Mm -hmm. So it'll either secrete glucose from stored sources, or it'll break it down to keep it at that within that margin. So it tries really hard to not um, let it go what we call hypoglycemic, where it's too low, and it tries really hard to not let it go hyperglycemic, where it's too high. What about if I'm if I'm eating a high fat diet, like a keto diet? Yeah. So could that lead to a rise in blood sugar? Uh, generally, a keto diet is going to lead to an increase in ketone development, which is a substitute for blood sugar, right? So in in individuals that are diabetic and they have high levels of blood sugar and that sugar can't get into the cells where it needs to go they start developing ketones because ketones can act as like a kind of surrogate fuel for sugar mm -hmm. yeah at the end of the day you don't want any of that stuff to happen uh -huh. yeah <laughs> so yeah so it seems like there's multiple ways that you can get diabetes not just from eating too many carbs. Uh, no, it's not it's not necessarily the carbs, it's it's excessive macronutrients that lead to the development of obesity, which then leads to the development of insulin resistance, which then leads mm. to the development of these other things associated with diabetes. You know, the other day I was looking um at the cause of like kidney failure. Yes. And you know, having type 2 diabetes is one of the factors that leads to kidney failure yes and this our kidneys are like these filter organs yes they're constantly trying to clean out what we're eating yeah especially from the blood from the blood mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and so you know you you see all these commercials on tv about dialysis yes you know like and the devita uh, organization constantly catering to people who they're have making kidney billions failure. yes yes they're you everywhere know? and it just seems to me that um you know we've got a nation of people who are consuming an excess of what of what they don't necessarily need. Yeah, and it's too all much, too much protein, too much fat, too much carb. Yes, it's it's all very unstable, and we're not we're not following any guidelines. People are just kind of bouncing back and forth from this diet to that diet to you know uh, whatever the the hot new trend is. Uh, but yeah, kidney failure is a real it's a real thing. Um, it's a horrific. Uh, um, byproduct of diabetes. And, uh, you know, once, once that goes, um, you're sitting in dialysis four times a week, seven hours a day, and that's your life. Cause you can't come back from that. Can you, Is I that mean, you can get, you know, donors and you can replace it. Wow. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's, you know, I, I, I'm going to go back to my physiology and anatomy. I believe in the kidney, you have this filter, it's called like the Bowman's cap capsule. Um, and there's, it's like a screen, Right, so imagine like a screen door that keeps all the insects out and things like that. Um, in the kidney, uh, you have a very similar function. You have a very similar device that 
kind of filters things out. So it keeps very large proteins like albumin in red blood cells. It keeps it out of the kidney and it just kind of extracts like micronutrients in, in you know, uh, water and things like that, Me- uh, metabolites, waste. And that's what gets into the urine. But once the kidney starts to fail because of destruction, then that screen door starts to kind of get tears in it. And then you start to see bigger proteins get into your urine when then you start peeing blood and you start to see things in the, the urine that shouldn't be there. So that's a sign of kidney damage. Ain't no fast food wow. worth the kidneys, man. That's crazy. And no, no. it's And that's, uh, unfortunately, when people get to that point, it's too late. It's right? too late. And they're like, okay, I got to stop this diet. And it's like, well, you, you should have stopped it a couple of years ago because now, now you got to deal with, uh, you know, all the side effects of this disease. So... It seems so dangerous how um, diet fads are like a pendulum swinging from one side to to another. Yeah. One 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 you know time you have you have people saying sugar is the culprit, yep. and then people start to go on a low carb diet, yep. and then they start to eat extreme or excessive amounts of proteins and fats, yes. and then that can be just as damaging to the kidneys yeah. Yeah. as too much sugar. Um. So. As I mentioned when we started the episode, uh, you know these these animal product industries, right? The milk industry, cheese industry, beef industry, they're all trying to compete for your dollar, and the diet industry is no different, right? Amazing. So it, it's just it's uh, they're trying to compete for your dollar as well, and buy their products, and buy their books, and buy their apps, and buy you know get. Follow the ketogenic diet, follow the CrossFit diet, the paleo, paleo diet, the caveman diet, you know, uh, and again, they don't care about your health. They don't care about your wellness. They're just after your dollar. And that's where, you know, if you're going to start looking into these changes in diet, you need to, you need to look towards the medical journals and see what they're finding because we're, we're unbiased. You know, we have to go through a very rigorous evaluation process when we publish something um, where, you know, a committee of specialists have to look at what we publish and look at our data and they have to grant us permission to publish something. So it goes through very stringent uh, evaluation processes and we're not doing it to make money. We're doing it to say, okay, well, based upon the science that we have, this is what that diet is doing, or this is what, you know, this product is doing. So So Mike, in the history of diabetes, I'm trying to trace this back just to get a timeline going. I'm seeing this indication. What is the green revolution? I thought the green revolution was just everybody eating plants in the past five years. That's not the green revolution. No, so the green revolution uh, is something that happened after World War II. Um, So think about uh, turning tanks into tractors, bombs into fertilizer. So, you know, some of the same ingredients used to make bombs can can be used uh, as a fertilizer, such as ammonium nitrate. Can't currently buy that on the market anymore because, you know, that's dangerous. <laughs> but, um, you know, you've with the Green Revolution, you're talking about the implementation of technologies like uh, inexpensive and widely available fertilizers, mechanization of uh, grain production. Uh, you're talking about plant breeding, in order to get high-yielding crops like wheat and corn and soybeans. Um, you're talking about irrigation projects and dam building so that we can we can have widespread use of um, hot damn. <laughs> you know, you're talking about you're talking about greening the desert, uh, fertilizing parts of the western United States that were dry as a bone. Now we've got dams, we've dammed up the rivers and we can we can irrigate lands that have been dry for centuries. 
Um, and so you've got you've got um, this insane uh, amount of production happening in the in the 50s and 60s of grains. So you get cheap grain, you get cheap meat. When you have cheap meat, you have the rise of fast food. Um, and so we have a fast food nation. Uh, that's a great book by Eric Schlosser, Eric Schlosser <laughs> where he talks about um, slaughterhouses uh, trucking in migrant laborers to process the meats for these fast food chains. Um, and then you've got a full-scale health crisis on your hands as a result. And Brian, that timeline correlates with data found about uh, the onset? Yeah, so the Green Revolution uh kind of supplied the uh, it was the driving force behind our the availability of these products right so and it really kind of changed our diet um you know if you look at data from uh collected from like the agriculture industry um you can see that from like 1960 to 1985 like we had a massive spike in uh, both meat production and meat consumption which is the 10 to 15 years after all this ended, right? Uh, no, really. no, it was, it, it, as you know, Mike was saying, in the 50s and 60s, that's when this kind of started to happen, this green revolution. And in, in alongside with it, the increase in the production of meat and the availability of meat, and not only meat, you know, the egg industry and everything else, um, made it more readily available for us. And it made it cheaper. So... Um, you know, we had access to more of these products and we started consuming more of it. Um, and I, I, I do have multiple papers I'll put on the show notes that can show you this data. I'm not going to go into the details of it. Um, no, but, yeah, I, I mean, we could talk for like 45 minutes on these details. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, so essentially from like the 1960 to 1985, we, we see that there's just a massive increase in red meat pr production and consumption chicken consumption, uh, cheese production and consumption. And I'm talking about like five folds increases in consumption of these things, yogurt consumption. Um, and you know, right around 1985, um, you know, into like 1995 within that 10 year span, we started seeing a major increase in cases of diabetes. And as I said earlier, diabetes is kind of a slow burn. It, it takes a long time to develop and we really didn't understand the disease uh, until, well, I can't even say more recently because we're still trying to figure I out think the so disease. It's, it's a, it impacts everything. Um, but we did see that, you know, about 10 years after this major increase in production and consumption, we started seeing more and more and more cases of diabetes. Um, so yeah, so there, there's direct, there is an absolute correlation and connection between the green revolution, the development of cheap grain, the development of cheap feed for animals, the increase in animal consumption, and then the increase of this metabolic disease pandemically across the world. At the time, you know, these were, this was being done with good intentions. It was about increasing the availability of food, yeah. what was considered to be high quality food. It just seemed like the wrong food. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's kind of what happens a lot in medicine is, you know, we, you look back and you're like, whoops, <laughs> we, we didn't know as much as we thought we did. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that happened out of prosperity, um, right. despite our best efforts yeah. to do the best that we could using the best technology mm -hmm. available, we ended up creating a massive problem right. that we, didn't, we just couldn't have seen. 
Well, speaking of problem, if you guys yeah. want to come back and drop something else, uh, just a few facts that, mm-hmm. that I've been able to pull up here. Um, currently, the American Diabetes Association reports 26 million children and adults in the U.S. have diabetes. This is every year, 1.9 million Americans are diagnosed with diabetes. That's a lot of people. Yeah, and that's that's diagnosed. How there's, many are undiagnosed? There's right? millions that are undiagnosed because, like I said, it takes a long time for the, de- the disease to develop. And now we're starting to look at more biomarkers as an indicator of like, okay, well, this could possibly mean that there's some sort of pre-diabetes happening here. Mike, right, so you- 79 million Americans have what have what uh, is known as pre-diabetes. Right. And um, that's, you know, that's coming close to a third of Americans. And um, wow. 7 million in the U.S. have an undiagnosed condition of diabetes type 2 and what's really scary about this is i think the last the last graph i looked at i believe that china and brazil are taking the lead in the diabetes pandemic so we're i mean this isn't even including other countries mm. and I, I know i've been sending a lot of video guys to you guys about, we, we get it. brian brian gives us the, oh, this <laughs> awesome he digs deep in these weekly diabetic videos which is great but i'm like i so interestingly right now because of china's population growth right they have nine million people and they're having a hard time utilizing the land there to create enough food to feed the people so now chinese investors are are purchasing american companies so um you know now smithfields they just bought smithfields for billions it's a pork producing company in uh Iowa, Ohio, one of the, one of the, we'll find that out. Right. And so they're producing, they bought this company and now they're shipping pork back over to China to help feed the people. Um, and then I just sent another video to you guys last night about the California dairy industry, which is essentially bankrupt right now. And now China is starting to have a, a, a taste for milk, which historically they never drank. Right. Wait, no, you're, cause mm-hmm. I took that as I, I understand that the California almond industry is is at a peak right now. Right, right. Because of awareness, maybe? And now what's going on? Is that what? Is, I, is there a shift that's happening? I think there could be. I can't say for certain. I, I You know, this is a screwy state, so when places go bankrupt, I, I have to first assume that it's up you know, might have something to do with the way the state's run, but I, I, don't know if, I don't know if people are more aware, which could be a possibility. But now the Chinese, you know, the, the Chinese investors are coming over to save the California dairy industry to start sending more milk over to China. So the point I'm trying to make is this is a really good example to see how the Western diet and the way that we eat might impact China and exacerbate their already existing, you know, uh, condition with with diabetes and cancer over there the western diet is becoming the worldwide diet we're gonna yeah we're gonna see that uh their cases of diabetes are probably gonna skyrocket because of their desire for you know our type of food that we produce here so so they're gonna want fresh greens and gardens soon is that the idea um, i think to the rescue so that that was my that was something i was thinking about when mike was talking to, is if the green revolution was truly green Right, because I, I think it's it was. Funny, right? I think it's an interesting thing that they called it the Green Revolution when they it was the called opposite. It the seed revolution, because <laughs> that's what that's what it's all about. But, is seeds. But what fueled the revolution is mechanization, right? Right. And cheap, to me, cheap that's fertilizer, cheap oil. Right. That's not very energy. grassroots. That's not very green, right? But I was wondering no. what what the state of this country would be if it was truly green. If we said, okay, 
we're going to start raising, you know, lush fields of cabbage and kale and Italian kale and Brussels sprouts rather than mm-hmm. meat, dairy, uh, cheese. You know, I, I wonder what kind of place we would be at in, in as far as our health mm-hmm. if if that role was reversed. So I'm just, that made me really probably wouldn't have a podcast. We wouldn't have. Yeah. I mean, you know, the farm companies, the, the pharmaceutical companies probably wouldn't be as rich and as powerful as they are. And you know, know, would we have as many doctors and specialists? I mean, like, you know, if you're a kidney specialist in medicine, diabetes is fueling your, your career, your house in Beverly Hills and in Hawaii and in Europe. It really is, you know, you know what's interesting is the Green Revolution is considered the third agricultural revolution, right? So this is this is a, a process of agriculture morphing itself and reinventing itself about every few generations. So are we about due? Absolutely, we are. I think America is currently going through a transition into a new green revolution. But it's a de-evolution this time. It seems like it's going more grassroots. It's like it's like a, uh, an intentional. Um, production of leafy greens yeah it's like a riot um, yeah ah, i like that plug it's, yeah it's <laughs> it's it's becoming a revolution simply to grow food uh in small spaces in in areas that are not con- necessarily considered farming areas you know um it's this idea that that the supermarket is a place of death it's a place of yeah. disease yeah it, it, it really is it is i it i that's an interesting spin on it. Yeah. But, you know, the, the commercials we see on TV, they, they won't tell us that. They'll show us pictures of sunny farms with happy animals. And, yeah. and uh, you know, the green revolution and how, how efficient it has been, uh, I sent you guys another thing, uh, resulted in essentially us creating 300 tons just, wait, what was it? 300 million tons. 300 million tons of animal products a year. Oh, my God. Remember, I sent you guys that website with the graph. Three, so if that's the product, 300 million tons, what is the byproduct of 300 million tons look like? And you were just telling us that story in Montana, right? Where they're, they're, oh, right. So, you know, dairy farmers and, and cattle ranchers, um, but especially dairy farmers where they have confined animals. Uh, it's a common practice to just uh, shovel or dump, uh, scrape the ground, you know, like a cement floor yep. into um, into rivers. And that's like just as a way to get rid of the manure because right. it's out of sight, out of mind. Right, right. This is the way like my, my grandfather did sort it. Of thing. <laughs> yes, it's, it's like uh, it's a crazy um, way to get rid of waste, um, but it's, it's hugely damaging you know, if you talk about nutrients that, that are being dumped into aquatic ecosystems. Yeah. Speaking of damaging, earlier you mentioned the type 2. I, I've, I, I'm aware of type 1 and type 2, but can you guys just kind of separate those and explain? Just Type 1 is congenital or, or is, is something that you're typically born with, and type mm-hmm. 2 is, is something that is uh, typically adult onset. But it can happen as early as... Meaning by what like, you're eating is that is that you get diet related yeah. diet so type so, two is diet related yeah so type type one is an autoimmune disorder which means that your immune system um, basically attacks a tissue or it attacks uh, and an, a um, hormone that a tissue is secreting so essentially your immune system 
recognizes the pancreas or the beta cells as something that shouldn't be there. So it's an invader and it attacks that and starts destroying the beta cells, which then means you have a very low production of insulin. And then that means that you won't develop insulin at all over the course of time. Um, you know, generally through inflammation, it destroys that tissue and it, the tissue can't function anymore. So then you're on insulin the rest of your life because you can't produce it anymore. So that, that is genetic generally. Um, I, there, however, um, if you guys, there's a, there's a book called the devil in the milk, fantastic book that talks about, uh, certain amino acids in milk that are associated with autoimmune disorders, such as type one diabetes. Um, mm -hmm. very, very good stuff. It's written by <clears throat> a scientist, uh, but he does a really good job in putting it into lay people's terms. Uh, so there, there are some, there are some articles out there, <clears throat> excuse me, in research that show that, uh, autoimmune disorders might be a result of milk consumption. Wow. So type two then. So type two then is uh, adult onset or uh, type two diabetes, um, which is, we do it to ourselves. That's happening so, in one human lifetime. Whereas type one is kind of like a crossover. Yeah. From one, it's like a hereditary disorder that could very well be diet related. Or genetic related, right. Um, where or, type two is completely self-inflicted. So it's something that we're developing through too many calories, too little activity, sedentary lifestyle, uh, diets high in saturated fat, diet high in cholesterol. High in everything. High in everything. High in, high in all the no-nos, right? Okay, so if, but the takeaway for this would be exercise and eat your greens. Is that what that means? Like, what could I do to avoid type two? Absolutely. If, the same thing we've been, everything. Ever, the same thing the we've been for saying everything. for Plant-based diet, you know, high fiber diet. Um, or I should say, eat <laughs> eat plants in moderation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, exercise and diet. Um, you know, start start cooking for yourself. Start buying your own food. Stop going to fast foods. You know, st stop farmers market. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the easiest way to 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 not overconsume macronutrients is to have a plant based diet because if you eat mostly plants, uh, you're eating a fiber rich diet. And that's going to slow you down. It's going to fill you up. Yep. It's going to give you sustained energy throughout yep. the day. And generally, plants are not calorically dense, right? So we have, there's a term called calorie dense or calorie density. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if you eat, uh, you know, you go buy a cheeseburger from somewhere. Uh, it's, let's say that's 700 calories and you, you just have one cheeseburger. 700 calories in steamed broccoli, you could eat bowls of it all day and not get to 700 calories, right? So it's less calorically dense than the cheeseburger. So you can eat more of it, thereby increasing more fiber, increasing more vitamins, increasing more minerals, increasing more of those, you know, anti-carcinogenic polyphenols and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's so it's so wow. the development of type two diabetes is a choice. There are genetic factors that are associated with the development of it. And I mentioned this in a previous episode where, you know, the genes are the gun, and the lifestyle is the bullet. Uh, so if you want to, if you want to okay. live a, a lifestyle that uh, isn't as healthy, then you're loading that gun. You're basically giving the genes the fuel they need to turn things on or turn things off that lead to the development of of type two diabetes. So, so be before I ask you guys about <clears throat> insulin and glucose, mm -hmm. ref refresh me. I, I think this may have been said, but I, I I can't answer it for myself right now. So how does back to the topic, how does meat, in, in a very brief way, how does meat 
I'm trying to get to insulin and glucose. Yep. So how does meat affect? How does meat open up that doorway for diabetes? Like in a quick abbreviated thing. Like okay, so uh, how is it the culprit yeah. for developing? Okay, so there are several schools of thought on how animal products can induce diabetes, and it's it's all mechanistically. Now there are thousands of mechanisms that we're evaluating uh, with the cause of diabetes, but if we look spe- specifically at meat. Our, our dairy or our cheese or our eggs, um, generally the way it induces insulin resistance is through uh, either saturated fats or inflammation or both. In, in excess. In excess. So when you eat an excess amount of saturated fats, you, you create something called dyslipidemia, which means there's a lot of lipids, a lot of fats floating around in the circulation. And as you become more resistant to insulin, that increases because when the cells can't get the sugar that they need to help create energy, then the adipose tissue or the fat cells starts to secrete more fat because that's the primary fuel that the cells are going to use to, to create energy. And then, how, and then how does that relate to insulin? So, and um, so inflammation, um, high levels of inflammation have been shown to inhibit a protein in the cell called IRS1. And IRS-1, um, essentially... I've heard of KRS-1. That's yeah, different, that, right? he's, he's a I'm good rapper. Myself here, boop, yeah. boop. That's the sound of the police, that guy? <laughs> so, right? I that's all I knew. Um, so IRS-1, basically, to not get into too much uh, technical stuff here... Um, oh, I'll stop you, but go. Yeah, so <laughs> when the insulin receptor turns on, Right when insulin is floating through the blood and it, it needs to turn the receptor on, the first protein to be activated once the receptor on is 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 called IRS one, and IRS one is going to basically phosphorylate these other proteins in the cell to let glucose get in. So once you have high levels of inflammation, um, that inhibits that IRS one protein from being phosphorylated. So now it can't communicate with the other proteins to let sugar in. So it's it's so inflammation stops that protein and that cascade from happening. And what's the, the what causes the inflammation? Inflammation. At this uh, point? just you know uh, eating eating foods high in saturated fat. Okay. High, not even just saturated fat. There, you know, omega six fatty acids are also associated right. with high levels of inflammation. So if you're getting too much of that, grain fed animals, right? And what's in the, your what's inf, what's inflammated? Uh, tissues. The, your body tissues. Yeah. Tissues? Yeah. So you you you're you know it depends on where the tissues at. You'll secrete cytokines. You'll secrete adipokines. It, it depends where the inflammation's at, but. Not to get too far into it, you know, another one is, is so not just inflammation, but when you have a high level of fat consumption and that fat is getting into the cells, um, it creates long chain fatty acids in the cells. It creates elevations in triacylglycerols in the cells, and it also generates more of these things called ceramides and DAG, which is diacylglycerol. So Blood the more slush. fat you eat the more of these things are created in the cell and both ceramides and trios and I'm sorry, ceramides and uh, diacylglycerol have also been shown to inhibit insulin signaling. So the, the mechanisms of how fat and saturated fat impact glucose and insulin um, is through the, this inhibiting of these signalings in the cell that allows glucose to get into the cell. Got it. So, uh, in, yeah, briefly, Absolutely. insulin insulin is what, and glucose is what. So glucose is the sugar that we obtain from food, right? So glucose is basically uh, it's created two ways. We get it through food, 
uh, foods that are, you know, carbohydrates, you know, potatoes, bread, pasta, uh, buckwheat, things like that. Um, the, the sugars are extracted, put into the bloodstream, and then those sugars are then sent to um, either the liver or sent to tissues that need sugar for, for creating energy. Um, so insulin, oh, sorry, what was it? Uh, the other one was insulin. Okay. okay, so that's glucose. What is insulin? Yeah, so then insulin is the hormone that is released from the pancreas, and it senses sugar in the blood because when sugar gets into the hepatic portal vein and gets into the blood, uh, concentrations of that glucose will get into the pancreas and then it acts as like a sensor. So the pancreas says, okay, well, we have this much sugar in the blood, so let's secrete this much insulin to help get the sugar where it needs to go. Well, that makes sense. Earlier you said um, pancreas is one of the first things to go when you have diabetes. So when the pancreas interacts with high levels of glucose right? Because the glucose is circling through the blood or you're consuming high levels of sugar in your diet. When that interacts with uh, high levels of, of glucose all the time, it's detrimental to the cells. And it creates byproducts in there called free radicals. And um, free radicals can damage those cells as well. And uh, the, the pancreas has very little defense against these things. So then what happens is when glucose levels, as I said, when they start to get high and elevated, um, it starts to destroy those cells because they don't have much protection against high levels of glucose. So this is why diabetes is a pain in my creas. Your pain, yes, yes. So to put that all together, um, the consumption of these products, animal products, so let me just kind of review all this, uh, leads to high levels of saturated fat, leads to inflammation. I told you the two mechanisms that, uh, two out of a thousand, that basically you know, show how fat and inflammation can inhibit insulin signaling. Okay. So, um, and it does it within the cell. And then once this happens, once there's an inhibition of insulin signaling, then insulin resistance starts to develop. And that means that basically the insulin can't do its job to get the sugar into the cell because the tissues are becoming resistant to it. All right, so it's it's very very complicated it stuff, is. and I you know thank you for explaining. Yeah, that, that, was, that was pretty simple. Um, so then you're saying that um, can you contract diabetes through eating junk food? Um, how, describe how that happens, even if it isn't quote unquote junk food. But it uh, seems to me that you you're basically uh, over consuming macronutrients. And then your pancreas is constantly pumping out insulin to compensate for the elevated levels of glucose in your blood, and eventually it gets burned out from it. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly right. It, not only does it get burned out, but the beta cells start to die. They start to, they start to perish. And where are the ba- where are beta Those cells? are in the pancreas. So the first thing that happens is when you know, there's this overcompensation where the insulin's not working anymore, the beta cells start to push out more insulin and... and when that happens, they start to go through uh, a phase of hypertrophy, so they get bigger, right? So they're developing more insulin, yeah. They're developing more insulin, they're shipping more insulin out, and then the insulin's not doing the job, and at the same time, glucose levels are rising because insulin's not doing its job. Um, So then eventually, the beta cells start to perish, and no insulin is produced at all, and then you're getting on insulin from the doctor. Then he's like, okay, I gotta put you on insulin. So, and then, as I said earlier, you know, when you're eating that junk food or we're eating, you know, these animal products, 
the mechanisms with the fat and the inflammation are what's causing the resistance to insulin in the first place. So then the pancreas reacts and says, okay, we got we to gotta push out more insulin because for some reason, the insulin's not letting the sugar in at, at a specific tissue, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, so, and it, it, you know, it's interesting because uh, there's a snapshot of how um, diet... And you could probably talk more about the green evolution revolution here. Um, if we if we look to some studies done in Japan in the '60s, um, you know, before 1960, the prevalence of type two diabetes in Japan was like one to three percent nationwide, right? Because at that time, their diet consisted of complex carbohydrates, lots of soy. Uh, lots blue zone of, kind of thing. Yes, right? it's very, very blue zone. You know, and they, they did eat meat, they ate fish, you know, but very small quantities of it. You know, they didn't, they weren't, you know, what do they call it at uh, In and Out? Double, double. Okay. Right, right? They weren't doubling, doubling up on the. Uh, they weren't doing a four by four. Yeah, <laughs> four by four. <laughs> Is that a real thing? It's a, it's a real, I've never done it, okay. but it's a real thing. Okay, so don't eat a four by four, four patties. and save your damn kidneys. Piggy style. <laughs> so, <laughs> put, put bacon on that four by four. <laughs> So they weren't doing the four by four, uh, and before 1960s, uh, like I said, one to three percent diabetes, uh, and that was over the age of 40. So that's when we, you know, as we get older, it's easier to develop. So then you know, you you go through this uh, this green revolution. We start introducing some um, fast food into into Japan. We start to see like more uh, McDonald's and 7-Elevens and Kobe beef, Kobe, yeah, um, <laughs> cheeses, dairy products. And then if you look at like, you know, 1980 to 1990 in Japan, the rate of diabetes went up to 15 to 20%. So over the course of like 10 years, 15 years, it's, it's skyrocketed, right? And that was with the introduction of our, our diet and our foods. Um, you know, and now if you look at the Japanese diet that was essentially once a blue zone, uh, they're kind of following the same diabetic continuum that the rest of the the rest of the world is because now that food is a staple there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. wow. It seems like you kind of get sucked into overconsumption of meat because, you know, a lot of people love meat and for most of humanity, meat has been expensive and difficult to raise. But once it becomes cheap and easy to get, it, it it's this highly addictive thing. You know, it's like making a cake is... <laughs> It has become cheap. Making, you know, a burger and fries has become cheap. And people are stuck and addicted to it because it's just so available. It's so, it's so easy to get. It's funny. It feels like we're, we're, we're in the future now, right? It feels like we're, I mean, we're sending things to Mars. We're doing the moon thing again. And then you look at this, you're like, wow, this, these topics are very middle age kind of topics we're dealing with currently, right? Yeah, like, this is crazy. It's, it's just something that, we haven't paid attention to ever. Right. And that's when I, when I go and do talks with people or, you know, presentations, I always tell them that you have to evaluate your diet the same way you evaluate your checkbook, the same way you're going to do research when you go buy a car, right? You're not just going to walk into a dealer and be like, yeah, I'll take that car. You know, I've you, never you, done that. Growing I, up, I've never, I'm not reading things. I don't know yeah. where anything comes from. So my, my parents kind of always made me do that. And I, I appreciate it now. Um, you know, if you're putting away from your retirement, right, you wouldn't push it aside and say, oh, I'll deal with it in 10 years. You know, at this age right now, we're all kind of thinking about, okay, how do I... 
how do I put, how do I start putting money away and making the right decisions to, you know, have something when I retire, if retirement's a thing anymore. Um, <laughs> but you have to give, you have to give diet, um, the same respect you would anything else. If not more, more right? And it maybe even more because we're so far behind the curve with our understanding of it, right? Like, you know, so wait, if I'm not saving for retirement, I shouldn't necessarily be eating this way because in theory, I would live less. Is that a correlation? Somebody, uh, if you're not saving for retirement, you shouldn't be eating which way? That I healthy? Should, yeah, I should. Oh, be yeah, you healthy. should. You should go the other way so you you get the clock out L- earlier. Live yeah, it up, right? yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so go get a four by four. <laughs> All right, I'll be right, I'll be right back. Um, so yeah, you know, people, you know, and, and even science, you know, we're, we're so far behind the curve. Like I said, you know, mechanistically, you know, we're starting to figure out how fats, high consumption of fats are inducing inflammation. And, you know, like one of the, one of the things that we see is high consumption of saturated fat induces something called TNF alpha. And that creates inflammation all over the tissue. So it's a, it's a transcription factor that basically tells the DNA to create cytokines and inflammatory responses. Um, Not the show ALF. <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> Whoa! Wait, 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 what was that guy's name? <laughs> I'm trying to think of Louis dad. or the dad? Eddie? <laughs> oh, Eddie! Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Wow. Where's the cat? <laughs> um, Sorry. So, um, one. We're back. Uh, whoop, whoop. <laughs> I love that guy. That's the sound of the police. Okay. Um, <laughs> You'll hear that on our intro yeah. today, guys. So, uh, you know, we're, we're just, <laughs> I almost got him. we're just trying, we're just now starting to understand these things and, you know, we're just so far behind the curve. It feels like it. It, it. We really are. It's unbelievable. Um, I always thought that, uh, diabetes was caused by sugar. Um, and we're always told to don't let your kids eat all the sugar, take yeah. away all the sugary snacks. Yeah. It's, it's, but why is there a big alarm on, sh- on sugar and not on meat? Like mm-hmm. it, specifically what associates, um, sugar with diabetes and why aren't we associating meat with diabetes now so sugar is Food the marketing. easy yeah i was gonna say it's the easy target um, it's pretty right well so okay so to clarify sugar uh it, we shouldn't be eating high amounts of sugar in the first place because with high amounts of sugar you're gonna have high spikes in insulin right okay and one thing we don't want is we don't want insulin turned on all day long Right, regardless because, of whatever. Right, reading. because when when insulin is on all day long, that's another mechanism where the tissue starts to become resistant to it. Right, so we and don't inflamed. Uh, possibly, that- yeah. So I mean, you know, if if the beta cells are are spitting out insulin all day long, uh, you could, you could have an inf- inflammatory response from that. So, and that, that's another thing that's so difficult about the disease is it can develop from anywhere. Right, it can develop from within inside the cell. It can develop at the beta cell. It can develop at the liver. So. One thing that insulin does to the liver is it shuts off glucose production. So while you're sleeping at night, your liver is what's keeping your brain alive because it's secreting glucose that's stored as glycogen. Mm -hmm. When you eat and insulin turns on, that has a negative feedback response to the liver. So it shuts the liver off because essentially you're bringing in sugar from the diet. So you don't want the liver contributing to the sugar from the food at the same time. So insulin plays multiple roles in, in this whole process, and you could, you could develop resistance to insulin at the liver or at the adipose tissue, at the fat cells. Or, mm-hmm. So it can happen anywhere. And, you know, uh, so if you're eating high levels of sugar, um, you could have a long insulin response, 
all right? And if it's just... It's like a spike. If, yeah, if it's processed sugar, you have a massive spike and a massive plummet of insulin. If you're eating that sugar all day long, you have a massive spike and then maybe a slower decrease in insulin. So you, you, know, so you don't want to have sugar all day long because then insulin's on all day long and that can lead to resistance to insulin. Um, so like if you're eating a high, a high carb diet or yep. lots of sugary foods, causes a spike in glucose leading to a crash, which leads you to be hungry again. So you yes. eat something else that's high in yes. sugar. Yes. And so by doing that, you're constantly spiking and crashing, yeah. that, which leads to... That crashes hypoglycemia as a result of massive amounts of insulin being pushed into the blood. So that's absolutely right. Yeah. So if you're eating, if you're eating you know, a cup of beans a day, yeah. high in fiber, yep. you've got um, sort of a steady amount of energy throughout the day yeah and the more complex the food right so we, we generally don't tend to eat things by itself right okay so let's say we had like popcorn right we don't eat anything else with popcorn we just take handfuls of popcorn popcorn is going to have a, an insulin spike right because it's a very simple sugar it's it's a starch um if we had popcorn with uh let's say baked broccoli baked broccoli right <laughs> that sounds good that is going to slow down the insulin response because now you're mixing the sugar with other macronutrients and Fibers. other fiber, right? So it's going to have a, a, a slower response to insulin, which is better for the body. So um, sugar has always kind of been the easy target. And um, now we're looking at how sugar is the byproduct, and that's why I told you those mechanisms earlier where an increase in obesity, an increase in inflammation, an increase in dyslipidemia, uh, an increase in saturated fat consumption, an increase in um, cholesterol consumption, all these things are responsible for initiating insulin resistance. And then the sugar, the elevation in sugar is the response to that initiation. So once the, once the, um, the inducers of insulin resistance start to happen, then we start to see the climb in blood glucose. And of course, when you go to the doctor, the first thing they want to do is just hit you with more insulin. So they'll give you prescriptions where you have a fast responding insulin, you have a slow responding insulin, and then you'll have one that you take overnight where the insulin's being slowly put into the bloodstream so that it can regulate that blood sugar. Because like I said, you know, we want to keep our blood sugar within a very narrow margin. Mm -hmm. um, so, and essentially, and that's that's so expensive. I mean, our healthcare costs so expensive. Yeah, and and it just dawned on me, you know, like with with the the green revolution, and then the rise of cheap food, it has given rise to a very very expensive healthcare system, right. and that's not saving anyone money. Right. The it's, economics of diabetes is is prevent is is what uh, trying to solve no what it's, it's trying to control diabetes, not prevent it. Yeah, so the, all the medication out there is um, control it, slow it down, right? Because that's how you can, you can't right. make money on telling people not to eat this stuff. Right, so can you reverse insulin resistance? 100%. Um, you can do it through diet, you can do it through exercise. And I, I have a couple of studies I'll share with you guys really quick here to show you how people yeah. who have diabetes have done that. Um, <clears throat> but like, so you can, so this is, you can actually... Uh, stop stop it, prevent it, slow it down. Like this is what the study is about. Yeah. So um, let me let me look at these really quick. So a couple of different studies that basically took um, people with severe type two diabetes, and uh, the details of these papers I'll upload on our show notes as well. Um, 
you know, one study looked at two, two um, groups of diabetics that were pretty far along the diabetic continuum, and they put them on a, um, a program where they basically, one group was not allowed to have any animal products, and they had to minimize their oil. And the other group of diabetics, they were put on a isocaloric diet, which means that they basically reduced their calories. They had a little bit of uh, monitoring by the, by the group that conducted this study. And um, they ran this study for about 14 weeks, and they weren't allowed to exercise either. And the group, the diabetics that were um, on the vegan plant-based diet, uh, they essentially lost about 15 pounds over 14 weeks. Uh, three to five inches in their waist circumference decreased. They had significant increase in insulin sensitivity, and uh, a lot of them got off their medications. So in 14 wow. weeks, they basically... That sounds like a cure to me. Right. They reduced diabetes with no meat at all. Also, their uh, HbA1c plummeted. Um, you know, their, they went from like an 8.7 to a 6.8 over 14 weeks. So they went from a very high dangerous level of HbA1c to almost a normal range. And that's without exercise. So if this group was allowed to exercise, you would see these numbers drop even further. Um, I'm kind of guilty of that right now. I, it, it's been the past few years. It's been I haven't been going to the gym. I've, I've done this, and all of these indicators and markers have plummeted. Yeah, yeah. But like, I'm, I need to. I need to. Uh, yeah. Last year's goal was to step up the exercise game. So maybe this year's goal yeah, is to it'll, step up. It'll that. accelerate all these things. Um, maybe if I stop drinking chips and beer, that would probably be a good yeah, start. Yeah, so I might want to start there. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> that same group, that vegan group, that uh, <laughs> over the 14 weeks, they also dropped uh, LDL significantly. So their low density lipids uh, uh. significantly decreased. Where the other group that wasn't vegan. Um, and we're on an isochloric diet. They had a little bit of a drop, but it wasn't significant. Um, there was another group that did a study uh, for four weeks, and they looked at uh, how a plant-based diet reduced severe type two diabetes. Uh, essentially, they looked. They took two groups. They split them up. One group had to be on a strict plant-based diet. The other one was on another isochloric diet. And the group that was on a plant-based diet, they had uh, severe reductions in total cholesterol, total LDL, total triglycerides. Um, they had significant weight loss. They had a significant decrease in inflammatory markers, right? So as we said, uh, inflammation is one of the things that induces uh, insulin resistance. So if you get rid of the inflammation, you become more sensitive to insulin, and then by by that happening, blood glucose starts to drop because it can get to where it needs to go. So it's never too late. Our bodies are amazing. Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah, it's. It, it, I mean, this one was four time. weeks. Four weeks, everything drops significantly. All so these, no matter who you are, you try this and you will see things. You will see change. Yeah, it's um, cool. And then just one last study, same thing. They did this one was a vegetarian diet, not vegan. Um, so that means they're still eating dairy. Still eating eggs, eggs possibly. Dairy. I'll have to get the uh, inflammation. Inflammation. I'll have to get the the information on uh, that study, and I can post it. But a vegetarian diet, so a little less, uh, a little less uh, aggressive than a vegan diet, right? So, so if anyone's listening and wants to kind of maybe wean their way to a vegan diet, this this is proof right here in the pudding. Um, dairy free pudding. Yeah. It seems so. like a lot of vegetarian diets are pretty heavy in dairy, eggs, and refined grain bread yeah which is you know which is a problem it's i met so i've been meeting a lot meeting, Ooh, meeting diabetes di i've been meeting a lot of vegetarians 
who are morbidly obese. Mm-hmm. And then when we when I asked them about you know their diet, like oh I still I still eat a lot of cheese and dairy and, and you know okay well that that makes sense because that's so you know and, and again high in saturated it's fat. high in, yeah it's mm. high in these uh, these these uh, fats right it, and and it if doesn't seem to make sense if you call yourself vegetarian, it's really. I don't. I don't. I think it should be its own category. Yeah, like kind of. You know, like its own entity. You should call yeah. it. You should call yourself a, a lacto ovo ovarian. Yeah, I, and they do. They have all those. They have all those names for it, right. All those different. Uh, different. I want, I want but, that shirt. But, but yeah. Nick's Nick's the vegetable. Yeah, yeah. because that's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because they're yeah they're not eating. I don't think you, you yeah. should be able to call yourself vegetarian it's if like they, it's like ninety percent of your diet is yeah, eggs, oh, cheese, right. and bread. So so the study your bread. Yeah, so right? so the people that were on the vegetarian <laughs> diets versus the you know traditional diet. Meaning uh, American diet, traditional well, diet? Well yeah, like they're still eating meat and sure, okay. you know um, they actually had a significant reduction in weight, significant reduction in uh, waist circumference, significant reduction in visceral and subcutaneous fat. Um, and then also they became uh, much more respondent, uh, sensitive to insulin and also uh, glucose, their glucose tolerance increased. So mm-hmm. just by reducing uh, their diet of a little bit of animal products, right? They just shaved off a little bit. They had all this, this benefit in health, right? And especially the most important is their, their um, response to insulin sensitivity and glucose tolerance, which means that by reducing a lot of the saturated fat, they increased their sensitivity to insulin. And as a result to that, glucose could get into the cell and go where it needs to go. So they had a reduction in blood glucose levels. So, and that was over 24 weeks. So 24 weeks is a long time. Uh, If they went vegan, it would probably be a lot quicker. So the point I'm trying to make is there's so many more studies coming up now on plant-based diet because people are starting to pay attention. They're starting to see that it is the, the cure for a quick reversal, even faster than medication, right? So a medica- as we said earlier, medication will control and slow the development down. This shit is reversing it, like within Man, weeks. That's amazing. Within weeks, but where, where are the TV ads? Where are the billion-dollar TV ads to say, hey, do this instead of you know, taking this medication and having all these side effects, Mm-hmm. And but where's where, the money? Exactly. You're going to put a lot of people out of work. Because the Green Revolution has already put the system in place. Right. Right? It's, it's already there. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, now... You know what's crazy is that uh, so many farm animals, you know, if you, if you want to talk about factory chickens, cows, and pigs, they, they're getting chronic illness. You know, yeah. did you know that um, it's pretty common for a chicken to get congestive heart failure? Yeah. No. And these are the animals that we're eating, and we ourselves are getting the same conditions. You know, so like we're raising animals on basically an excess of grain because that's what's cheap, and then we're eating an excess of these animals that are dying of disease. They, you know, they, they have, you know, you could have chickens that are just about ready to die of heart disease. Yeah. And then they're going, they're yeah. going to your plate. You know, and, and a, lot of, a lot of these slaughterhouses, you know, they look like uh, prisons, right? Like they have right. guards, they have guards in the tower, they have barbed wire fence. They, they don't want people in there. They don't want people seeing it. They don't want people, you know, knowing how it functions. They don't want people see, to see the, the low-wage labor that's in there working. 
you know, some of these places are saying, okay, sedentary, well, we, sedentary lifestyle of the farm animals. Yeah. Like, you know, some of these places are saying, okay, well, we have an open door policy. Come in and see how clean our facility is. And they'll, you know, they'll put a lot of effort into cleaning the facility. But what you just said is like, okay, well, I want to look at the animal. I want to look at the quality of the physiology of that animal. Are they healthy? No. And now I wonder, like, if you're on a high grain diet and that's all you're eating, right? And why are they doing these? Why are they? Why are they putting these animals on high grain diets? Because because it's cheap. And what does it do to their? What does it do to their? It makes them grow faster. Right. And get so fat. it makes them grow fat, and then you get that nice marbling in that steak, right? So when people get that steak that has that beautiful, like you said, Kobe beef, right? That's so expensive because it's per, it's, it's perfectly marbled, mm-hmm. which that's fat. That's all saturated fat. That's fat of the animal. So if these animals are getting bigger and fatter. And as I said, in humans, with the development of obesity, we have the development of type 2 diabetes. They overlap. I'm curious, what is... One one feedlot going to... It's an animal feedlot going to a human feedlot. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, what... If these animals are developing diabetes, and I'm going to look into that. I'm going to read into that and see, and we're going to talk about that on the next episode. Is like, okay, I would say they they probably get slaughtered before it can develop. Yeah, because yeah, that's a good point because their lifespan is what pre-diabetes. Yeah, you know, lifespan of a chicken is like you know six or um, twelve to sixteen weeks. Okay, Um, but you know, for a typical dairy cow, it might be two years. You know, like the Amish are raising a, a dairy cow for sometimes twenty to twenty-two years, but yeah, so they're going uh, factory to factory the... cows are are about two years old. Wow! Before they become hamburger, and by the time they're age two, their bodies are just about ready to give up. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, the ultimate cost. What does diabetes cost us? I, I found this on the CDC. Same thing as on um, the diabetes.com. Check this out, you guys. This is what blew my mind. The average, this is from CDC, the average medical expenditure for people with diagnosed diabetes is about $16,750 per year, of which about $9,600 is due to diabetes. The medical expenditures of people with diabetes is um, approximately 2.3 times higher than expected cost if they did not have diabetes. $16,000 per year? That's a yeah. lot of gardens, my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so now the question is, oh, it's it's cheap, isn't it? It's expensive to go to the farmers markets. It's like, well, wait a second, not at sixteen thousand dollars per year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's an easy fix. It's an easy alternative, you know, to to take that money and spend it elsewhere. Um, Nobody can afford that. I I want to say the majority of Americans can't afford that. It, you know, um, so now it's tax social- right? If we if we yeah. if we really want a socialized healthcare system, we're gonna have to up our game. We're gonna have I'm to we're eating. We're gonna have to change the way we eat. Otherwise, nobody is gonna be able to afford this. Yeah. Unbelievable. This it's yeah. just it's disrespectful on so many levels to yourself and to the country. Right? Is this not right? You could trace it that way. Yeah. We're all paying for it. You know, we're all paying for it through tax dollars, and it's bankrupting us. Yeah, and it's, you know, as I said with that, uh, it's big business. And with China, you know, exporting all of these products over there now, you're going to see an explosion over there. And what follows that? The farm companies, the dialysis companies. DaVita. Yeah, the, you know, all the, all the ways that we manage this disease, they're going to expand. And they're going to get to go out there and make more money. And, 
you know, that 300 million tons of animal products that we're creating a year now is going to go up to 600 million tons because we're not, we're not stopping. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, have you ever seen Wally? No. The Disney film no. Wally? No. <laughs> That's the end goal. Okay. That we're headed towards. <laughs> People spending their lives in a hover chair getting a, a liquid slurry of pizza and milkshake. <laughs> and you know what? It's funny. I, I see it because, so we received, a, a good friend of mine had given us one of those uh, Amazon Alexa things for Christmas. What are those things called? Am, uh, Amazon. Alexa, yeah. yeah. Dot. Yeah. Dot, so, so now I'm just like, it has these options to turn on things in the house. So of course I set it up and I'm like, oh, like Alexa, turn on the lamp. And I'm like, I never have to get up again. Like, <laughs> like technologies. I'm like, I tell my son, I'm like, you get me a beer. Alexa, turn on the lamp. Like, like my daughter, bring me something else. Like I never have to move. This is fantastic. But the point I'm trying to make is that we're evolving into a sitting creature. Yes, exactly. From a, a hunter and gatherer <laughs> to like a a just sitting stagnant creature, um, you know. And then to just kind of talk about the ultimate cost of this disease, um, you know, it is it is a slow, painful disease uh, that will develop. It will impact every tissue in your body. <coughs> Excuse me, uh, and it will even ulti- your throat. Yeah, it will ultimately end in death. Um, and there's, there's, damn, yeah, my throat. <laughs> Sounds true though. Um, you know, it's associated with cardiovascular disease, as we said earlier, kidney disease, diseases uh, of the nerves, of the neurons, uh, eyesight, uh, pregnancy complications. Um, inflammation of the gums, so oral complications, microvascular complications, um, changes in blood pH level, which lead to other complications, thickening of the blood, ketone generation, gout, uh, you develop gout, uh, in a, you, you have the inability to heal wounds, um, you can get diabetic foot, Alzheimer's disease, stroke, uh, cancer, it's, it's all related to diabetes. So as I mentioned earlier, those are the uh, so those are the um, the the response to diabetes. So you have it sounds these, like rapid aging. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's an acceleration of of age, and it's all because of the sugar elevating, right? Not not the sugars, the problem. Yes, it could be a problem, as I as I said earlier, but it's it seems to be that you know if we eliminate these meat products, we eliminate, we reduce the inflammation, we reduce the fat that's circulating. As I showed you with those studies, all this stuff kind of goes away, right? And some of these studies were as fast as four weeks. Some of them were as long as twenty four weeks. So the reduction is there. And then Dan, do you want to talk about your your yeah, so I've been going, eyesight? It just ironically, you know, everybody I've been I'm kind ironic, of a, ironically, ironically, yeah, thank you. Um, I, it's been uh, three years. I've been eating the greens here, and uh, last year and this year, uh, I, my vision. This kind of thing occurs, of course, in in, in real non-plant eating life as well. But the, my vision has gone back down. It's it hasn't. It's been getting better, mm. back to back, yeah. to the point of I'm at I'm at half a half a point better now in yeah. both eyes. Yep. And I would say you, you're probably eating more vitamin A in your diet if you're eating more greens and vegetables. You're probably getting a lot more vitamin A. It's amazing. This is yeah. uh, this and, is uh, and with your vegan lifestyle, you're keeping your blood sugar low, right? So um, you're you're resisting retinopathy, which is the destruction of the vascular system in the eyes. What happens when you have high levels of glucose, right? So mm-hmm. if you if you've more been, oxygen in there, 
Well, yeah, right. Because if you if you destroy the vessels that deliver the blood, you sure. just you can't get oxygen to that that tissue, and then the tissue gets um, hypoxic and it starts to die. So that's that's one of the mechanisms of how people start to get blurry vision is because uncontrolled glucose leads to destruction of the vessels that deliver the oxygen to the tissue. Wow. So yeah, so I, I, we're not making this stuff up. So hopefully, hopefully this episode showed you that you know. By reducing animal products, you can completely arrest and reverse diabetes, right? That's amazing. And, and, and it kind of also shows you that we kind of uh, unintentionally may have developed this disease through that green revolution, right? So, right. I mean, it, it wasn't something we did on purpose, but... If we you thought look, we were doing something yeah, good. You look at the data, that mechanization increased the production, increased the consumption. We were at, we were at the highest level in the 80s. Right after the 80s and into the 90s, we get this horrible disease that kind of pokes its head out. And then we've, we just have been going further and further uh, down this path without really looking at the causation. And, you know, we presented these studies that say, okay, well, if you're pre-diabetic or if you are eating, di you know, if you have diabetes, stop eating the animal products and it, it goes away. That's awesome. Right? So so all this stuff we talked about, uh, the prevention studies Brian was mentioning, the Green Revolution that uh, Mike was mentioning, Devil in the Milk, the videos that Brian uh, sends to us every single night, um, and then the <laughs> Eric Schlosser uh, Fast Food Nation uh, are all going to be in the show notes. Yep. Check it out. Yep. A lot of really cool information. Yep. Do you guys have anything to add to this before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I think, I think we said enough. Um, Get an instant pot. Start making your own beans. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Life-changing. <laughs> we, we should get a, Mike should get endorsed by an Instapot company out there. So if anyone's looking to endorse uh, Montana Mike, <laughs> let us know. Moringa Mike. Moringa Mike. All right, guys, on that note, we are Plant-Based Riot. You are making the choice to live a longer, healthier life. My question to you is, what are you going to be doing with the extra disease-free years on that? All right, plant eaters, uh, tune in to hear more Garden Gab next week. I, I know we, I keep saying that. I keep saying, I keep saying that. And we're going to change that someday, but Garden Gab it is. Um, all the links will be in the show notes. Um, as for Brian, Mike, and myself, thanks for listening. We are the Plant Based Riot. to feel like this is this is starting to get personal <laughs> uh oh here we go uh -oh. you know, i started to get the sensation in my penis <laughs> I told you i was gonna get personal so you should have been recording this i am recording it so yeah oh shit since you're on candid microphone brian knows well yep as soon as he said beer i'm shit. like record <laughs> so tell us more <laughs> okay Listen, describe the sensation so you know it's this it's it's very simple. It's the sensation that I have to pee. Okay. Uh, however, um, if I tried, like I can't. Oh. Yeah, it's 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 almost like uh, false positive or something. Yeah, it's it's frightening because it makes me think of that. That's like the beginnings of prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm at the, I'm at the ripe old age of thirty three. <laughs> Not yet, right? I know. But. Um, 
it seems to be triggered by beer, especially draft beer. When I do wine, like red wine, I don't get the same thing. I thought we were going into the gutter with this conversation, so I'm going to stop recording <laughs> I thought, now. Oh, I thought you were going to like, yeah, I, I looked at my wife and I had this my, like... I had this buzzing yeah. feeling in my penis and then I wanted to do it, <laughs> so I did it. No. All right, we're not going to no. keep that. Oh, okay. Sorry to disappoint you guys. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't sexual. It was, it was strictly... Physiological. You know, clinical stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I... Um, you know, I, I had this sensation, and it like really, it really bugs you, if you ever get it. Um, so I like it. It may be, it may be that I have a genetic weakness for it, um, that you guys haven't experienced just yet. Interesting. But I have this. I drink this beer. I have this sensation that I have to pee, and then it like when I try to pee, I feel like I can't empty my bladder, um, and then. It just lasts. It just seems to last for hours. Oh, whoa! That's a long time. Yeah, it's it's like torture, and so Yeesh. as soon as I got home, I um, I made myself a bundle of horsetail. Um, I cut I cut about ten little segments of horsetail, and I just started chewing it and eating it raw. Um, and uh, after I finished, which you know was about ten minutes later. It was gone. Damn. But why did why did you wait so long? Well, I mean, you mean like Before after getting to... home? Yeah. Like why wasn't that like? Because you're soon still as I, feeling it. As soon as I got home, I I started cutting horsetail. I see. And but you said it was out. It took you hours to get home from the beer to the horsetail. Was that when? Well, you I guess I guess I guess I should say the the time from drinking the beer till getting home, which was about an hour. Oh, okay, okay. But it went away. It went away very quickly as soon as I started eating horsetail. Yeah, That's crazy. and uh, I feel better now than before I had the beer. So, so um, now horse the horse, the horse tail fixes it. Yeah, and um, the horse tail has so much silica in there, you can actually, you can actually see the silica on the the stem, like so, on the inside, on the outside. Oh. So when I pick the the horse tail, um, it has this kind of corrugated shape mm. on the outside of the stem and you can actually file your nails on it you like you can feel it's almost like sandpaper damn on this horsetail stem and that's because of the silica dan talk a little more check check one two three check check one two three okay silica that's what's in uh arachnoids right that's what makes their Oh, exoskeleton? You, exoskeleton? You, you may be right. I know yeah, chitin, I chitin is that's, the, it, that's um, the other protein. What it's called, but it may be made up of silica. Mm. I don't know. But um, the silica is, I, I believe, what is the active ingredient. Okay, wow. so one thing we got to be careful of is this. Listen. Oh, yeah. So because this is hollow in here, it's like echoing. Leave <laughs> truck. <laughs> I think Brian likes this. I do. Okay. It's got really good sound. It's quite the echo there. Okay. So yeah, we got to maybe... Um... Yeah, it's this part. Okay. Why is it? It's weird. 